You're listening to Episode 4 of Fadelists, a podcast devoted to the Showcase Network's exciting series Lost Girl, also airing on the Sci-Fi Network. My name is Dave, and I'm here with Wayne. And Wayne, so far a little smoother tonight than last time. Well, we'll see how it goes. Into little rain must fall in everyone's life. As yes, and it fell here earlier in the in the evening. So literally uh, and metaphorically. Yeah. So what's uh, what have you been watching? I have been watching going back, and uh, I've never seen Caprica. Actually, uh, you told me about Battlestar Galactica, and went back, and that was awesome. Um, I wanted to watch Caprica, but Netflix didn't have it streaming until recently, and so I went back and watched it. Man, that show was good. I know it's painful to talk about. It. Are you are you at a place where you can talk about it a little bit? No, or? I can talk about it. Yeah, because yeah, that was just you know it was just a great show, um, fantastic, and you know you want more. Like how how can they you know I don't know. I, it's always just we're going to talk about later with the top ten list of shows that got cut down their prime, but you know like just so much they can still go with it so many other places they can go um learning how the first cylon war happened uh and all that so uh right and the fact that it was connected to you know battlestar galactica just okay so for me uh believe it or not i know i've bad-mouthed falling skies several times because I've, times, i actually tried to watch fact. it uh twice and we lost power tuesday and you know, after walking around, not knowing what to do with no electricity, uh, I finally said, all right, I got my batteries charged on my laptop. I've got Falling Skies pilot still on there. I'll sit down and watch it. Man, it's good. Really? Yeah. I just have problems with the, the Noah Wiley. I just, I can't, well, like, I just, I can't picture him as any kind of action hero. Well, well, the interesting thing, I mean, and what, what turned me off the first two times I tried was the bugs. Okay, the alien bugs, so that, uh, okay, I get it, the aliens have come, and, and, and you know, I, I've said before, it's like, how come nice aliens never come down to, to visit yeah, Earth? Yeah, they're but, always conquering baddies with, right. you know, bad attitudes, and they're, and they're ugly, like, you know, except for the, the Cylons. So. Right. Well, so anyway, that turned me off. Well, you know, like, like a lot of things, you know, once, once I got past that, and they're still in the show, but it, it, any good sci-fi, if it's not about the people and the characters and their relationships, then it's not going to go anywhere. And it really did get pretty good. And, uh, you know, so I ended up watching the two-hour pilot, watched episode two, and, uh, you know, I'm certainly hooked. And, and it's nice because there's only 10 episodes in season one. and uh, they uh, have Very manageable then. Yeah, and I, and I don't even know if they've started season three yet. But uh, that's what I've been uh, looking season, at. Season two, right? Are they on season they three? Finish, I, I believe they finished season two, but I, I couldn't tell. You know, I'm, I'm like you. Is I that watch, what they were just showing, though? I watch everything out of order, and it's hard to keep track of, uh, you know, what's actually like, on Far the air. to us is a brand new show. Right. So, all right. Well, anyway, why don't we take a look at the news now? Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, I'm involved with another podcast, and I try to keep the the news items that I use separate. What? You're involved with another podcast. Yeah, I know. How long has this been going on, yeah. Dave? <laughs> anyway. I wanted to use this one, even though I used it on the other one. So, in rather big Doctor Who news, Tom Baker, a.k.a. the Fourth Doctor, will appear as himself, Fourth Doctor, not Tom Baker, during the upcoming 50th anniversary season. Now, he didn't participate. They had a 20th anniversary back in 82, but he just left the role and you know, said he didn't think it was right to participate at that time. Several years ago, apparently, he showed interest in returning as the master during David Tennant's run, and that didn't come to fruition. So uh, that would have been awful. 
Because so. John Sims wouldn't have done it, and he was He was incredible. awesome, yes. Yeah. So that'll be something to look forward to. Now, but um, don't get me wrong, because uh, Tom Baker is obviously, I know, even though I haven't watched the the old original uh, series, I know Tom Baker, I'm no, you know, I'm no fool, I know Tom Baker's like the most popular Doctor Who ever, um, though there's probably a lot of David Tennant and now Matt Smith supporters who might argue with that. But, uh, you know, I, it's going to be cool. You know, it's going to be cool because he's like a very popular Doctor Who and he's popping on with, you know, with uh, Matt Smith, who is also a very popular Doctor Who. It should be pretty cool. If they could only bring back David Tennant, too, then, then it would officially rock. Then it would. Now, uh, in terms of Lost Girl news, you know, season one, and I'm not even sure when this actually appeared. I, I seem to go on to iTunes quite a bit and didn't notice it. But uh, season one of Lost Girl is now available on iTunes. Uh, apparently... It's available on Netflix, but not to stream. So that if you're, mm. you know, if you're Might involved well in, not have it. No, does anyone even get the DVD on well, Netflix anymore? Uh, that's, that's like, come on, Netflix, wake up! No one's buying DVDs anymore. Just put everything streaming, man. Like, can I come in and run this company? I'll show you how to run this company. All right, it'll be awesome, and you'll make tons of money. Like, I just don't get it. Well. I don't either, but what I do get is that there's going to be another Terminator connection for us, and that uh, Linda Hamilton in, from the original mm-hmm. Terminator franchise Linda, Linda. is going to I appear as a guest Linda. star in uh, episode 10 of season 3, Lost Girl. And she's going to be playing an assassin, and we're, I guess we're not sure who she's going to be trying to kill, so whether it's uh, the good Faye or the bad Faye, we'll have to see, but that's sort of exciting. What we do know is it will be really cool. And the Hamilton rocks. Alphas. Do you watch Alphas? Nope. Have you seen it at all? It's, no. It, it, I, I saw the first no couple clue. episodes. What is that? I have no idea. It's, you know, this, this uh, guy, he's, I'm not sure if he's a scientist or, you know, some sort of a psychologist or whatever. But anyway, he's assembled this team of individuals that have certain abilities, okay? uh, psychic abilities. And, kind of uh, like X-Men type thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Uh, Summer Glau is going to be back to guest star again. She guest starred in one episode in season one. She's going to come back in season two. Apparently that went well. So I don't know if it's more than one episode or just the one. Well, if nothing else, they'll have a level of credibility now because Summer Glau will yes. have been there and bestowed her presence upon it. But uh... All right. Now, Comic-Con 2012 ended this week. So I just want to go over a couple of the highlights. And if you haven't gone to YouTube and looked at the... Uh, Lost Girl panel. It's about 40, 42, 44 like minutes long. Minutes, right. Think, yeah. It's definitely worth looking. But introduced in order, Chris Holden Reed, then the Lost Girl herself, Anna Silk, Senior Solo, executive producer Jay Firestone. No, and no the writer was first. Uh, was she first? Yeah, oh, Emily so. Andrus. Okay. The uh, showrunner, writer, producer, and then Jay Firestone. Now, one of the things that, that you have to keep in mind and, and certainly came up a couple of times was that season two on sci-fi is only halfway through. I think they're at episode 12, so that uh, some spoiler problems were uh, inherent in some of the questions because a lot of the audience, like you know Wayne and myself, we've seen all of season two, so we want to try to not spoil things. Um, but a couple interesting things. You saw it, Wayne? Yeah. Yeah. So you remember? Well, most of it. I, I probably okay. knocked off at like minute 30 or something. Okay. Like. Well, Firestone was asked what draws him to shows with strong female leads like Relic Hunter oh, yeah, or Femme Nikita. That's a good answer. Yeah. And he says he's growing up a James Bond fan. And like most young boys that grow up James Bond fans, we're actually fans of the Bond girls. Not so much James. Uh, but that he points out that they were always subservient, obviously, and that, you know, he wanted to do a show where the Bond girl was in charge. 
and you know that's what he certainly got with Lost Girl. Uh, cast members were asked what drew them to Lost Girl, and I thought Chris Holden Reed's answer was pretty cool when he talked about being you know uh, Dungeons and Dragons oh, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. this you know geek and nerd childhood. And, yeah. You know, I would, never would have expected that from him. Well, he, you know, I, if you've ever read his bio, he does, you know, like he does like a equestrian. He's like a like a national level equestrian. I, I did see it's that. Like, yeah, that's that doesn't it didn't surprise me after I learned that about him. Didn't his answer didn't surprise me one bit. Now, Cassinia Solo, I think we we knew she was born in Latvia, but the fact that she speaks fluent Russian. And if you remember the episode with the oh, Bob, she, she Baba Yaga, she claimed to speak Russian. She only said like one word. Like that was her proof. Like, well, said, I could, I could do that. Good point. Um, mm. Now they all said that the body switch episode, original skin, was their favorite, and, and that that was pretty intense. And I think they well, you mentioned, could, and you could tell, like watching that. Well, again, we're you know spoilers trying to, but you could tell the, the actors were having fun with that. Yeah. You could, as watching that, I'm like, man, these these guys must have had a field day doing this one. Right. Now the. Uh, he mentioned Jay Firestone. That is mentioned that the show almost didn't uh, come off because they they were just unsuccessful in coming up with an acceptable female lead until Anna Silk came in. So then once they'd cast her, they brought in Chris Holden Reed for his audition. They did a read through and they had the scene that they were going to do together, and that that the culmination was a kissing scene. And they went at it uh, rather intensely. And, and Jay Firestone apparently starts laughing, and they're you know like, why are you laughing? And he says, you guys hit the wall so hard you broke the plaster in the wall. Yeah, you can't fake that kind of intensity. No. That's, that's definite chemistry. I think that comes through definitely. If you watch it, you can't, you can't help but, but see that, that these actors are really doing a great job of right. uh, establishing the chemistry between these characters. Right. Now, the, the one question, perhaps my favorite question was, uh, what Faye would you want to have in your circle of friends? And they all unanimously vex. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting how Jay Firestone said that the, the original plan was to have him killed, but that you know a lot yeah. of times once you see him on screen and the chemistry, it's just he's that, too great. That, that guy is he 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 takes over every scene he's in. So I could imagine he probably pisses off the rest of the cast. But uh, I don't even know that actor's name, but he's fantastic. You know, yeah. that guy is just he's magnetic, and the character is really cool too. Yeah. So all right, so why don't we jump into uh, season one, episode three, O Kappa My Kappa. And of course, I had to go back and it's like, okay, wait a minute. I thought that poem was about Abraham Lincoln uh, being shot. And what's the tie in here? And of course, there is no tie in. And uh, Well, it was also in uh, it was a, a Dead Poet Society. Yeah. So maybe there's a tie in there. I but, don't know. Or not. But or does, not. <laughs> so the basic plot line right, revolves around, uh, you know, which. It's basically a standard detective procedural, right? Which is basically what Bo and Kenzie have become. They've become private investigators, and that uh, you know, putting themselves out there as PIs who handle the cases that nobody else will handle. Uh, a mom comes that daughter has disappeared, and you know, there we are. Yeah. Once again, using that that convention of the detective going at it uh, with narrowing down the two possible suspects and they both exhibit very suspicious behaviors and a lot of the sneaking around and getting caught or almost getting caught sneaking around. So there's a lot of these conventional things, but as we've said before, they, they take these conventions and then they weave it into, they add in this element of the supernatural with it, which makes it uh, rather unconventional. But so we still feel comfortable with it, but also there is that element where it's not trite and overdone and cliche. It's, it's something cool. Now, do we agree that this episode was 
much better than episode two. Yeah, episode two, I was not a big fan of this. This episode's a good one, uh, mostly because I'm starting to think. I'm, my suspicion is. Uh, that Cassinia Solo, sorry, Cassinia, if this is not true, but I think she was did some monkeying around with the writers. I think she was flirting at, at the very least with one of the writers because she got all the great lines in, in this episode. She, I mean, just hands down, she was a riot. So. And I'll, I'll hopefully you'll bring up most of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, and the, the I think the danger you run when when you know that it you it can't just simply evolve into the case of the week or the fay of the week or the monster of the week and it and it'll be you know remain to be seen how they handle that um the i thought the opening sequence was awesome right bo wakes up in bed next to dyson yeah um apparently uh she half expected him to be dead because that's you know and anytime she wakes up in bed with a guy, you know, he's dead. Well, obviously it's not dead. It's clear they like each other. In fact, they're almost like a couple of little love-struck teenagers, you know, with this giddy. But what I thought was really cool was as they then roll over in the bed for a, uh, a redo, uh, the scene suddenly shifts to that girl in the woods, you know, getting up and, you know, running, obviously in distress. Yeah, and that, that uh, kind of... Again, we, we see this in, in horror movies all the time where you have the victim in a dark, scary kind of place, which always like if you ever expect to be a victim of something, don't go to dark, scary places. OK, if someone's chasing you, run to a big, open, lighted place with lots of people and say, help, don't run into the secluded woods up to a pit where you have to turn around and see the scary thing that's chasing you where you scream just in time for the camera to cut out. And if you're a female, don't take a shower. Yes, don't take a shower and don't go in the basement as well. These are write these down, people. These right. are important rules. If you feel you are in a horror movie, these are things you should not do. Well, there were a lot of contrasts that I thought were really, you know, really strong elements, and and that was one. You know, the the, the you know the scene, the idyllicness of the the bed scene, and then you know immediately cuts to uh, to that. Uh, why don't we start with Trick? Because you know, at the end of the day, this really was just about Bo, Kenzie, and Dyson. Okay, and, and, and the case. But Trick, um, you know, what we do learn, it seems as if he's in charge, if not, you know, at least in charge of Dyson. Exactly. I was about to say, at least in charge of Dyson. Um, because do, do we not see him getting kind of scolded by the the Ash and the Morgan in, in the uh, the first episode? So he's not the top dog. But he certainly does a good job of bossing around Dyson, which kind of pisses me off. I, right. You know, like I'm reading this, I'm like, you know what? Trick is he's a little bit of a douche here. I don't really like him very much in these early episodes. Well, we don't, you know, and we don't know because obviously things are just implied, you know. So, so for instance, it, it, it's apparently he's using Dyson to keep track of, of Bo. Now, is it, but we don't get the impression that it's because he doesn't trust Bo. It's that somehow she's important. We just don't know. But he does say to Dyson, you know the stakes. Okay, well, that's good. We don't. Okay, but, but that's fine. You know, we don't have to have everything now. But, um, but that's basically about all we see out of uh, Trick in this episode. Well, he, he discourages uh, Dyson from getting close to Bo, which is where, you know, we get a little annoyed. Now, me personally was surprised. I remember being surprised the first time I saw this that – Wow, they're going there already. They're already, you know, forgetting about the, you know, the the sexual tension that is unfulfilled between Bo and Dyson. They go bam at it right away, and so I'm like, well, where where can this go? Oh, well, here's where it can go. Dyson has to dump her, you know. Right. 
because you can't have them happy and together because there's no tension. There's no conflict there. There's no good for the show if they're like a happy couple. Who wants to watch Dyson and Bo strolling, holding hands? But yet we still do kind of root for them. And so when Trick tells Dyson in, in no uncertain terms, you, you got to break it off. You got to call it off. We're like, dude, you know, what's, what's your story, Trick? Man, mind your own business, old short dude. Right. So we just hope that uh, there really is something there. Um, you know, I mentioned before, you know, this this episode essentially functions as a traditional detective procedural. Bo and Kenzie investigate the disappearance of this girl. They get some inside help from Dyson. And very reminiscent. I feel like I'm constantly comparing things to the X-Files, but, you know, very reminiscent as it combines Faye Powers with solid investigative work. And, and, and I think the thing you see with Kenzie, I mean, we've talked about her having street smarts, but, uh, you know, she goes undercover as this sorority girl named Kenzie Summersby. Did you ever see the movie Summersby? No. Richard Gere. So. It was about, as I recall. Oh, oh wait, that's a Civil War one, yeah, right? Oh, that was actually, uh, Jack White was in there. Right, that, well, was, that, was, that was actually well, not a bad where movie. Where it's something about he's, Po- it's not that he's posing. He thinks he's this guy. No, I can't... no, he, uh, he 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 comes back, and he's posing as a dude who was killed, who's got like a wife. I, I yeah, think, isn't that it? Right, and know. she. It's never. I don't know. Like Jenny clear... Foster was the wife, right? Right. It's like, does she not know that's not her? I don't know. But anyway, but I, I... Think her. I think the thing was her husband was was not a nice guy, and so when this guy comes back posing as him, who is a nice guy, she's. I think she's just basically like, all right, we'll just roll with it. She traded up. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Now. Um, Bo meets Dyson at the police station, and he tells her, you know, I looked over the cold case files. I don't really see anything. And she says, well, what about your spooky files? It's an homage to X-Files and spooky Mulder, um, you know, and certainly X-Files cases themselves. And, of course, he says, but I did find one that you didn't get it from me. Right. Um, There's always one. Right. Now – now, you know, to a large degree, you know, obviously we said Kenzie, Bo, and Dyson were the pretty much focal points. The, uh, I guess one of the things I noticed is it's really about the developing relationship between uh, Kenzie and Bo. And, you know, the, the, I guess the thing that, that struck me was that Kenzie appears to be the more pragmatic of the two, right? I mean, she's, she realizes, look, we got to do something to yeah. make money. Uh most awesome. I'm I'm sorry if you meant to say this, but I just I love this line so much. Where you know Bo is is kind of annoyed that that Kenzie has printed up this pamphlet that with all these lies and and Kenzie and like Cassinius Solis is great with this kind of deadpan kind of you know in my defense truth is for pussies yeah you know like that was that was great yeah just like that's Kenzie's totally shown that is being very much well you know it's the pragmatic approach right what is what do we need to get what we need right. rather and, than what is morally right or wrong. And, she isn't. And most of the things, most of the, you know, police, uh, what was it, uh, police recommendation or whatever, I guess she figures that Dyson would uh, provide them a recommendation right. that, uh, you know. But, uh, you know, right after that line, which obviously she gets another great one where she asks, but, well, what's the alternative? She says, I'm a thief and you're not even human. <laughs> well, right. So... You know, and the thing is, while, yeah, okay, that's pretty blunt, it's true. Yeah. Um, and, and again, Kenzie, I mean, as an investigator, she knows what to look for. I mean, I feel like I'm watching an NCIS, you know, with McGee going through cell phone records and all that, which is what she does. It's like, okay, hey, this college girl hasn't used her cell phone, hasn't used her credit card. Something's wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, Kenzie, 
she knows, you know, she's very, as we said, very street smart, uh, very hip, and almost you get now a feeling as to why she, you know, quickly jumped ship with Bo, is that, you know, this is like, man, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life, this is what I've been training for, something completely weird that it requires for me to use my street survival skills. Right, but I think she's taken it up a notch to, you know, that, you know, that she actually can function in the, you know, "Quote unquote real world and 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 function as a legitimate uh, in in a legitimate profession, right? Much to her own chagrin, as, <laughs> right. as because right. the uh, the sorority is is to her uh, hell. In fact, when when they when they welcome her into the sorority, she thought she was going to get killed, and, and they just had a big party. She's just like you know, wait, when when's the killing going to take place or something like that? Yeah, you know, like, well, that's it's like almost like death would be preferable." Right. For her than to hang out with these sorority girls for one more day, for one more minute. Right. Now, you know, the relationship between Bo and Kenzie, you know, it's almost like, you know, Bo's that cool big sister, but little sister's pretty cool, too. So, you know, you, you see that. And, uh, you know, at the, you probably remember at the end of the episode, you know, everything's, you know, happened. Everybody's safe. And Bo's in the tub taking a bath, got the glass of wine, probably even a candle lit. And, uh, you know, Kenzie comes in to talk and Bo gets out of the tub and tells her to turn around, which, yeah. which, which I think just really that, you know, establishing that there is a line here that, you know, that, that our relationship is not going to go there. We're not going there. Right, right. And, and, and that's great. And, and you know, that I, I think that was certainly a, a smart move because as sisters, they're awesome together. Yeah. Oh, if if they, I mean, they, they obviously the writers know that if they ever cross that line that that would that right. destroy it. That right. destroy the whole. And would yeah. So they'll they'll never. Well, I never say never, right? But right. They shouldn't ever do that because, as you said, like as they are perfect as as sisters. Right now, sorority. Right. Right now, Kenzie gives her uh, relationship advice regarding Dyson. Just tell him you love him. Yeah, the love. <laughs> um, but you know, Bo's again, just kind of like nervous schoolgirl, and she says, "Killing people is so much easier." Yeah, you know, um, so like you mentioned, just some uh, you know great lines. Now we got a big reveal finally, which was sort of uh, uh, weird, and that's with Dyson. Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, in uh, that uh, we learn, okay, and Kenzie learns that he's a wolf shifter, even do, though earlier. No, do we? Do, I'm sorry. Well, he wouldn't tell. I don't think we right. knew before. That's, I was trying to remember if if we knew because like just watching him, like oh, he's he's a wolf man. He's sniffing and everything. And now at at this episode, I'm like. You know what? I I don't think they revealed that yet. That we didn't know as just like Bo that we didn't know what he was yet. And Dramatic irony. Dramatic irony. All right. So uh, you know, and it it, it was you know it, it, when she asks him, you know, well, so what kind of fay are you? And he's like real serious, like yeah. you know, well, that's you know, that's really something pretty personal that you just yeah. don't. And, and and you almost think like, and then he's gonna like psych. You know, yeah. but but he seems serious. Yeah, lighten up, dude. Right? It's, I, you know, it's, it's I mean, not I'm not like... sure why. I assume you know it's true. Um, you know, and uh, now while you know the, the thing about his feelings for her, you know, it's like now he's like because of what Trick said, he's got to pretty much now lie to her and say, hey, you know what? I told you it was just me helping you heal. It wasn't anything. You know, you know, I thought we were pretty clear. Uh, and she goes, you know, we weren't. Yeah, I've gone on record to say this before. Because Dyson is, it's just like this is 
You know, there's got to be dudes writing this script because, you know, like Dyson's whole theory is like, well, you know, this is just it even says after she caught him making out with the waitress, he's like, if you ever need me to come and help you heal, I'll be there for you. It's like, really, dude? Seriously? Like you, man, like uh, Dyson, you just got busted and you're still going there. You know, so he's he's like got this whole ideal situation where, you know, I can sleep with this, you know, beautiful woman and just there's no strings attached. And and she's right. Obviously, he knew um, that there there's definitely an emotional attachment there between them. You can't deny that. He couldn't deny that. But he's still, you know, I don't know if he's purposely trying to be like a complete pig, but uh, that's what he's doing for sure. Well, you know, the, the other interesting thing uh, with Dyson, you, you know, the first couple episodes, uh, yeah, look, obviously they've got to set a lot of the background, set a lot of the ground rules, uh, introduce us to the environment and things like that. And, and obviously, you know, bringing a human into the bar was, was certainly taboo up to that point. And uh, so that Kenzie, you know, as the only human, uh, was certainly Lauren, but uh, but she's not really. I mean, she's with the ash. Um, you know, when Bo's in trouble there, and Kenzie uh, calls Dyson, the, the two of them. You know, it's it's almost just like you know they work together effortlessly. It's not you know he doesn't perceive her as a you know human. It's just you know which I thought was pretty cool. Um, all right, the Fae of the Week was this, uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, it was a pretty cool monster. Again, you know, re, you know, re, reminded me of a couple of monsters that appeared in the X Files. Yeah, oh well, yeah, um, you know, go, first one that came to mind really was Golem from Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. You know, like, um, and what, what else did I think of? Um, the, he reminded me with, with the chains and everything. What was? No, darn it! All right, I gotta go back. I look through my notes here, but yeah, okay. uh, you know, but yeah. Uh, you know, like from the X-Files, I mean, one of the episodes I remember from just watching that first season of the X-Files is the, the, the toilet monster. Oh, the, right, right, right. Well, he's uh, called a Kappa, which I guess is interesting, you know, in that uh, the sorority is a Kappa. And he literally sucks the life out of the humans, uh, lives in the tunnels below the college, and has been there and been held captive by the head of security since 1942. <laughs> He's apparently figured out, although we don't know exactly how he figured it out, that if he drinks the water in which the monster lives, that that somehow gives yeah. him, you know, the whole fountain of youth. Exactly. Thing. How did he? At some point, he had to say, hey, "I'll, I'll try drinking the water." Yeah, you know, like you got this disgusting creature living in here. I actually just saw what I also remind me of. If you've ever seen the first uh, Friday the Thirteenth, at the end when Jason jumps out of the water uh-huh. over the boat. There, like kind of like that, that Jason creature there from the first movie, but but yeah, exactly. Like, at what point did he decide this is good water to drink? Right. You know, there's no. It's not. It's standing water under the ground with a goofy, nasty creature living in it. And, and his name's Wayne. That's, that's always, <laughs> I, I, I hate that. I hate that. You know, the, the only time there's really been a decent Wayne in, in pop culture is obviously uh, Wayne Campbell, Mike Myers, Wayne Campbell from right. Wayne and Garth, Wayne's World. Um, so there was a time in college where, you know, it was awesome to be named Wayne. People would come up to me and say, hey, party on, Wayne. I mean, hey, party on. You know, it, was, it was fantastic. And then uh, once I'm those, not worthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, once those movies kind of ran their 
their cultural course that I'm, I'm left with now having security guards and gas station attendants with my name again. Now, I'm surprised you didn't mention the scene when uh, Bo goes to see the dean of the college and wants to, uh, you know, basically initiate a search. And well, we, we, I wasn't going to let it go. We weren't not going to talk about okay. it. Yeah. But she brings out, and it's called a... The Suck You Touch. The Suck You Touch, once again. Um, Trademark, Trombo. Right. Now, now the one thing I was uh, a little surprised that... that and again, I mean, we're all new to, you know, Bo's power, but the dean seemed to snap out of it pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I, I said that. I actually wrote in my notes, like, apparently the Sucky Touch takes about uh, three seconds to recover from because, you know, Bo's not even out the door. Also, she's like back to like mean, nasty person. Or is the dean drinking the water, too? I mean, does that I mean, I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. No. But because uh, she was she was going to shut down the, uh, the tunnels, the tunnels. Right, right. right. So. Well, you know, we talked about relationships and, uh, you know, it was more about the building of the relationships than it was about learning about the Fae world. Um, you know, we see the weakening of the relationship between Bo and Dyson because, uh, you know, I mean, he, he betrays her. And, um, you know, even though he does it reluctantly for the greater good, you know, we're not sure what that greater good's going to be. So, you know, are we going to, you know, in terms of kind of looking down the road, is, is Dyson going to regret listening to Trick? Yeah, and you can see, even after he he does the you know kind of gra- grappling with the waitress and pushing her away, uh, it's apparent he's not really behind this decision. Right, he's, but, he seems but to regret that, it. And you mentioned it before. I mean, does he really have to get it on with Kayla at the bar, knowing right. that it's likely Bo well, will come? No, in? I mean, he. I, he Completely set it up, didn't he? I mean, I was under the impression that this was all orchestrated just for this, just so Bo could see him. Because, like, I'm sorry, ladies, but guys are not always good with confrontation when it comes to breakup time, right? So I think he probably figured instead of going up and saying, hey, listen, babe, it's not working out. I can't do it. He thought, well, let me do it in this kind of passive-aggressive manner where she walks in the bar and she catches me making out with another chick that's a much better way of, of breaking up with her. And it's really not. Communication is the key to success here. Dyson, guys out there, it's the truth. Okay. Well, a couple of things. I, I, I put down two little mini lists, things I thought were cool. Now, one, we, we already mentioned the suck you touch on the dean. Uh, one was the parallel portals. And I think they even used the portal is such a great sci-fi word. But you've got, you know, the whole and the entrance to the tunnels that Bo finds. And remember, she throws down her maps, and I'm thinking, like, don't throw your maps down. Put them in your back pocket. But anyway, uh, and then that door in the basement of Kappa House, and they were sort of juxtaposed against each other. Uh, And then, of course, when Kenzie goes through the door into the party and where, you know, they're wearing all the, you know, the demonic hoods and the music and all that, and she goes through. And she's a little frustrated when she's at the party, and it's like, I think you already mentioned this, when does the killing start, <laughs> you know? Um, now, my favorite, I mean, this ha- my favorite image in this whole episode, Kenzie in a pink polo doing a beer bong. Yes, yeah, I was, I was hoping you'd bring up the... Uh, yeah, does it get any better than that? <laughs> the funnels, yeah. As we call it beer bong in high school, and then it turned into funnels in college, okay. but it's still... Um, the most unglamorous way to to drink any amount of beer. Uh, though, I didn't witness this, but uh, there was strong eyewitness accounts of a kid doing a twelve beer funnel in college. Wow! And then uh, and and not uh, and continuing to uh, 
be upright after that. But yeah, that was that was great with the whole the wig and the pink and and this she's completely out of her right. element here. I mean, right. here's a, a someone very street smart, uh, someone who's pretty tough. We know, and to see her nervous and daunted by a bunch of privileged sorority girls is is pretty funny to see. Right, and and my, in fact, my last thing I thought was cool was the contrast between her dorm room. And right. you know the house and, and that the she house. lives in with Bo, right. and, which... and she's disgusted. Like she's disgusted by the dorm room, <laughs> right. like this clean, immaculately kept dorm room. She's just like, ugh, this, right. is, this is horrible. Yeah, you know? right. is that is it in the dorm room when she puts the uh, you know the finger gun in her mouth? Yeah. And, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Now things have bugged me. All right. What's the deal with that huge hole in the middle of the forest? I mean, if we're at a school, I mean, it didn't take Bo very long to yeah. find that hole. Yeah. You'd think they'd have it, you know, like at, at least a Cordoned fence. Off, yeah, you know, something. something uh, a, but, you know, a okay. fence around it. But, you know, again, as we talked, there's there's a certain level where you have to yeah, suspend that right. disbelief, you okay. know, because you just have to accept it. Like, okay, there's a huge hole in the middle of the forest. All right, I got you. Okay. Now, the other is, uh, again— What's the deal with their house? I mean, it's like, how come no one in questions that they're living in this? I mean, is there electricity? I mean, there's running water. I'm not sure how that's. Yeah. They, well, yeah, I think they, I mean, I know from later that they have electricity because they like, well, I don't know. They seem to eat a lot of cereal though. Yeah. But they have milk. It's got to be kept in the refrigerator. Well, right? you know, uh, but they don't have walls. I mean, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. So. But, I, I think it, be, it becomes more and more uh, home. Like they don't change it, but we accept it more as as home as the season progresses. Right, and like you said, look. I mean, you know, any good sci-fi or, or fantasy or supernatural, you know. I mean, like you said, you you make that leap of faith, and it's like that's fine, you know. And it's uh, you know not that big a deal. But just I thought just an awesome episode. I mean, look, most pilots of good shows are are awesome uh, as was this but i maybe even like this episode better than the pilot mm, i don't know that that's that's a tough call okay. it's a very good episode okay. it, it, a lot more humor in this than the pilot uh, the pilot had a lot more action uh, but I, I really as you mentioned that juxtaposition that was you know really good but of course we, we've seen this before when in a police procedural where there's two people you think are the the bad guys and then you have two separate people investigating each one and then like oh you know and it comes to that that climactic moment as you said going through the doors you know and uh, and kenzie quickly realizes oh this isn't it you yeah know? And, and then so but that back and forth that parallel structure kind of going on was uh it was really neat how they did that so all right well before we go though yeah. before because I, I get it, it seems like you want to move on and i, I said so this line has got to be said we have to say this line on air uh, because this is like the best line I think of, of the whole thing. Uh, the night after the the party with uh, with Kenzie doing the the funnels and everything, and uh, she talks about the next day. And she says, uh, "Good news is I'm still alive. Bad news is bitches be crazy." <laughs> just, like these lines are fantastic. Yeah, Cassidia Solo, man, she just delivers them like bam. She just nails well, it. Well, and, and you know, the, one of the things, and and I was going to mention it during the news, but you know, you you mentioned in that right here. I mean, I think one of the the reasons that the listeners and any fan of the show should watch the uh, the panel from from Comic Con is it's really clear. I mean, these people like each other. You know, the actors really like each other. I mean, look, I watched the Twilight. 
Comic-Con panels because they were, you know, the, they were the first ones up and there was nothing else to watch. And, you know, like I've said before, I'm a big Kristen Stewart fan, but they didn't look happy to be there. You know, they looked like it was a chore and that, that this was the last place they wanted to be. And you didn't see that at all with the Lost Girl panel. Yeah, and that's part of the charm of the show because it, you know they aren't. It's it's a popular show, but they're not like superstars. Not like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart and who's that? The third kid, Shark Boy. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If if he ever hear, not they'll ever hear it, but I'm sure he'd be horrified that I only know him as Shark Boy, not by his real name. But you know, they're like huge superstars sure. with you know teeny bopper girls putting their pictures up on walls and everything. So whereas you have yeah, actually, I think also the fact that they're Canadian has something to do with it too, because Canadians are very. I've never met a Canadian that was like stuck up or full of themselves. Um, not them say they don't exist. I'm sure they do, but every single Canadian I've ever met in my life has been completely one of the most down to earth people I've ever met, and uh, you know, so they are. I think that's that's part of it as well. Yeah. Well, I guess just the thing I've never really understood, and, and David Duchovny was probably one of the first actors that that you know I became aware of. You know, when he said that if he had known the X-Files was going to be that popular, he would have never taken the role. And it's like, right. you're an actor. I mean, you've got a great role. I mean, I don't understand the not being thankful for being in that position in such a tough industry. But, you know, like you mentioned with the lines, I mean, it just you can just see Cassinia Solo. She's just funny. I mean, you know, she's probably saying these kinds of things. You right. know. Well, and she said... Uh, at Comic Con, like, she doesn't think she's funny. Right. Like I, I can't. Believe, people tell me I'm funny. I don't understand that. I don't think I'm funny. It's like, well, you know, you you are though. Yeah. You know? Like, but yeah, you could definitely see that the actors, uh, how much they, um, they, that they really, if they, again, they're actors, they could be put on a scene. But it seemed genuine that they're genuine. Really uh, liked each other, and a lot of times when you know they would ask a question, they'd look at each other and laugh before they answer it and everything. And uh, you know, and they said with the, the body switching, with the their, their favorite part was hanging out with each other more. Right. right. What do you think? You know, most of the time you don't want to hang out with the people at work more. You, you want to hang out with them, if anything, less. So, you know, they they thought it was really cool that they had a chance to really get to know each other more and uh, hang around each other more. So, yeah, that was very have, apparent. Have you seen her in anything else? Cassini Solo. Yeah. I, I haven't. No, I don't. I don't. Th- wait, wait. wait. I, I think there, I was looking at her Wikipedia page, and there was something. Well, I was watching this. Okay, I thought it was going to. I'm terrible about remembering titles of things, but I thought it was going to be a ballet movie that my oh, wife wanted oh, to see. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? The, uh, Black Swan. But Black I never, Swan. I haven't seen that movie. Oh yet. my, I, dude! It's a horror movie. Is it? Yes. I mean, it's just like they're using ballet as a backdrop. With Princess Amidala, really? Yeah. Um, trust me. It's, right. I, honestly, I spent half the movie with my head buried in my hands. No lie. Really? Uh, wow. But, but I'm watching, you know, you know, they're in the dressing room uh, backstage at the, uh, you know, the, the venue that they're performing in. And I'm looking at what, that one dancer sounds familiar. <laughs> and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking. And finally, it's Kenzie. It's Kenzie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there was uh, something else. Uh, I was looking at their Wikipedia page. And she had a like a one or maybe it was Anna. Actually, Anna Silk was in something where she was in very uh, briefly. But there was something I'd seen. But I can't remember what it is. But, but yeah, that, I mean, that happens all the time. You, you watch enough, especially sci-fi and there's like this pool of actors that just get used over and over and over again. Um, 
So you, you were mentioning like the, the episode of Fringe where right. the guy is now in Continuum, and I'm like, but yeah, I remember that episode, and that dude was I remembered him from something else, and you know you get that all the time, you know, especially um, that's what like you know and. Actually, like Doctor Who, I don't know if you mentioned it last week, but you know, like the the fourth Harry Potter, the Goblet of the Fire Harry Potter movie has like three people who ended up in uh, in that second season of Doctor Who, and uh, so it's just these crossovers yeah. happen all over the place, and which is and, cool, which is cool, but it's also frustrating because you like you should be enjoying this TV show or movie or whatever, but you're obsessing over where the hell did I see that guy? Ah, I can't even. I, it's just bothering me. Like you have to pause it and go on to the IMDb page and say, well, yeah, where else have I seen this guy in? Yep. So. All right, you want to move on? Yeah, let's move right. on. So uh, what we had said last week was that Wayne and I were going to take a look at um, the pilot for a supernatural or horror series uh, to just basically improve our um, you know, understanding of the genre. So what we decided was we were going to watch the pilot for Supernatural. And while I really liked it a lot, Wayne, you loved it. I loved it. Yeah, that was uh, that was right up my alley. I'm, you know, I like sci-fi, but I really like uh, horror too, as well. Like good horror, not crap. Like most, basically most of what you get nowadays. But the really good stuff and Supernatural was the good stuff. I mean, that was like genuinely scary. Well, well, you know, not to put you on the spot, uh, but like, what do you think constitutes horror? I mean. Well, it's it's got to go beyond just like like bad horror is just going to rely on like again I ref, uh, referenced uh, Friday Thirteenth and I remember in the second one that uh, the girl there's a scene early on and the the, the music's rising and everything the girl opens up a refrigerator and a cat jumps out and you're like ah! yeah but okay. that's BS man right. that's, that's easy uh, real horror comes from building up this this aura of suspense. It doesn't rely necessarily on uh, special effects. Though Supernatural did that pilot episode, certainly the special effects were a big part of it, but um, the really freaky parts were not special effects. The, the freaky parts were when you're concerned for the danger of the, the, the hero or heroine and you realize that they are uh, what's the word? They're, they're, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable because they're dealing with their adversary is on a different plane. The different existence has powers they are not capable of. And, and, you know, with a ghost, you can't touch a ghost. That's what goats are especially freaky. And, and this one, like little kid ghosts, even more so okay. because they're just like untouchable, vicious kind of violent type, uh, forces. So the vulnerability, you know, I guess comes into the fact that, that they really have no recourse again, like you mentioned ghosts, you know, you, how do you fight a ghost? Right. You know, that sort of thing. And so that I guess I guess I always think about it in terms of, you know, that it plays on our fears and, you know, some of our, you know, most basic fears and that, you know, the characters put into a situation that, you know, so whether it's, you know, buried alive or, uh, you know, about, you know, the set on fire or. Yeah, 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 for sure. And based on primal just fears, you know, things that just we aren't even really necessarily cognizant of or conscious of uh but i think also what separates good heart from bad heart just like a any good genre movie from another is um character development and we need to feel for these boys right away and you've only got an hour to do it so what do you do well you kill their mother off right at the beginning and so but they did a great job with both of these brothers and the actors are fantastic and that we Care for these guys. You have to care for them. And the, the problem with, with bad horror movies is you don't really care about the people who are 
vulnerable, who are at risk. And so it's not really scary because we're not really buying into it and we don't really care. Um, like I like the Scream movies a lot. They're funny, but we don't really – after the first one, I don't know how much we're really invested into these characters and except for Sydney, I think, is the main character. Um, now, are you a Saw fan? I, I saw the first one. I haven't seen any of the other ones. See, honestly, that. I saw the first one up to the last like six minutes. I'm like, no, I'm not watching this guy saw his foot off. And, and, and it's just, you know, I mean, those, you know, just two. But, you know, you mentioned the, the characters. And, and I guess one of the things I loved right from the start was the construct of having these two brothers, right? That, that one seemingly, you know, really making something of himself and, you know, going, what is he in, law, man, right? he's in law school? Yeah, he's, well, he's, uh, he's applying to law okay, school. Okay, and the other one apparently lives this transient life and, uh, you know, and, and then we learn that, okay, well, it's, it's, you know, he lives this transient lifestyle because he's, you know, we, there's something about his mother's death, their mother's death that's driven them apart. And the father's mission is to fight what it was that killed her. And right. Well, they obviously, they, you know, he says, let's go hunting. And hunting right. is this thing where they obviously are chasing down, as you said, the, whatever killed their mom or some similar type things. And, you know, the, the younger son is, you know, well, has gotten out of it. You know, like, like I, this, I, this is not the life for me. You know, obviously live this transient life as well for a while and decide he wanted to have a normal, regular life that didn't involve all the craziness that his brother's life obviously doesn't. And we see that in, in this episode. We see how crazy his brother's life is. And uh, but, but also there is that very, obviously, exciting element. I mean, he gets into it once they're hunting this ghost. Right. It's not like he's reluctant at first, but then once they're on the path, he's, he's into it, and, and he, you can tell he enjoys it. Now, well, do, we, do, we, it. do we find out why the mother... No, but the girlfriend then, you know, dies from the same oh, thing. Oh, man, I was bummed that she got killed. Yeah, and, you know, it was like, I wrote down, like, you know, holy shit, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just did that. But then I realized, well, they had to do it. They, If the girl is still alive, he's never going to go with his brother, and the show ends after the pilot, right? So he needs a reason to decide, I don't want to go to law school, and I do want to go with my brother, and... So his girlfriend dying in the exact same fashion that his mother did is the the only thing really that could probably get him to to go out and cross the threshold, as Joseph Campbell would say, and uh, you know leave with his brother to go and, and and hunt, which is then that becomes then that's the show, right? Right. Uh, but and also I realized that I should have seen it because she I as I'm watching I'm like oh well he's a mama's boy the, the girlfriend looks just like the mother did yeah. so and I should have made that connection like you know like at first I was shocked when she died but then I realized that I was stupid and I should have seen it coming from a mile away because all the indicators were there of, as to what was going to happen right now I, I think one of the things will uh, you know obviously culminate each of these little segments with is you know do we plan to watch episode two and i think it's a foregone conclusion with you the answer is yes right yeah yeah right, right. And, and it is for me too i mean i'm definitely you know i, I want to see more um you know one of the things i it, it, again i sound like a broken record very x-file-ish look we got to the closing credits and again for me after nine seasons of the x-files i mean the closing credits i thought i was watching the x-files which shouldn't come as a surprise, you know, so I look at the, you know, the credits and Kim Manners, who's one of the creative minds on both shows, 
you know, so, uh, but, you know, there was another homage to the X-Files. If you remember the scene on the bridge when mm-hmm. the brothers then they're leaving and there were some more officers coming and they cross paths right. and the one goes, you know, the smart ass, it's like Agent Mulder. Agent Scully. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was um, funny. Yeah. Even I caught that one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but there was a, also something else that I, I definitely wanted to mention um, because, like, you see these like conventions and horror movies, and one of them is that, and and the screen movies kind of jokingly uh, talk about this. Like, you know, if you have sex or drink or anything like that, you're dead. And so the minute. You know this kid. The, he picks picks up a hitchhiker, and also never pick up hitchhikers. And um, if you've ever seen, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Detroit Rock City. Mm-mm. Oh my god, this movie is hilarious. It's so funny. It's basically about a, a group of four friends who uh, cut out of school to go to a Kiss concert in Chicago, and so it's like a road trip kind of movie. It's a couple hours away, and as they're on the road, there's a a hot hitchhiker on the side of the road. And uh, and so the boys immediately start, should we pick her up, should we not? And there's the one kid who's kind of straight-laced. He said, no, we can't pick her up. This is how horror movies begin. And then, you know, the kind of the, the friend who's a bit of a deviant turn around says, yeah, but this is also how porno begins. <laughs> so it's like, don't right. do, do, don't do anything sexual if you suspect you're in a horror movie, which if you're traveling along a dark night over a creepy bridge and there's a woman there who's definitely out of your league, uh, you should probably just keep driving. Don't pick her. Call. Use your cell phone. We all have cell phones now. Call 911. Say there's someone here who needs help. Don't stop. And definitely don't uh, even think about having sex with her because you're going to be dead. Right. Now, one of the things I, I put down in my notes that you know I l- absolutely loved the music they used in the show, which uh, and Wayne's wearing a black ACDC shirt, and, and I believe there were a couple ACDC tunes in there. Um, you know, the car that the one brothers got, uh, you know, I forget, I'm not great with cars. It looks like about a 66 it, something it, it or looked, other. It looked old. Uh, yeah, but it was, uh, that was awesome. But, you know, I think, the, again, the thing that, that shows like this have to avoid, you know, for, from my perspective is simply evolving into the entity of the week, you know, so that, uh, you know, um, like questions for me and, and the nice thing here is, you know, like we've mentioned, like, you know, Wayne and I have seen all, uh, uh, both seasons of Lost Girl, uh, but we, this is it. This is all we've seen for Supernatural. So we've heard about the father. Uh, are we going to meet him? Yeah. I mean, I assume so. I, I, I've learned now, don't look at IMDb because <laughs> right. it'll tell you Never who's in tell it. tell you how many episodes right, are in, right. what years, and you're like, oh, wait, what? She, she's not in next season? Right. Well, okay, I guess right. I expect. But, but, you know, once they find the father's hotel room and you see his, I mean, you, you Boy, I, I mean, I yeah. hope we meet him. Cause... Right. Oh, yeah. I, for sure, we're going to meet the father. And But they have that central kind of myth uh, of finding out what happened to the mother and now the girlfriend. And I think that is what's going to can tie it where you can do some Monster of the Week, but you also have this this larger issue that's like the central issue is like basically two two boys, you know, trying to find their mother, really. And yeah. and through their father, which is all kinds of stuff or uh, possibilities there. But, yeah, it was Really, really good show. Good. I liked it. Good call. Fit. All right. Um, unfortunately, I didn't even think about what we're going to watch for next week. Yeah. Got any? Uh, oh, anything uh, come oh, to oh, mind? Yes, yes, yes. I do. I know exactly what. Um, the uh, the last episode of of the first season of Community. Okay. It's good. It's good. It's uh. It, it's a basically 
all things supernatural and sci-fi. It's a kind of homage to it's uh, what happens. The dean of the it's. Have you ever seen Community? I've seen the pilot. Okay, again. all right. So it's a community college, and the dean decides uh, one day that they're going to have a, a paintball war, and it might even actually be the last two episodes. Um, but they uh, so, and he offers it for the the winner will be um, early registration or something like that that everyone wants. So the whole you know campus. Uh, turns into a paintball war and it's all post-apocalyptic and terminator and it's it's great so, all right so there we so go that's so that's it. the last I, episode well we'll figure out exactly what episode is it but it's going to be community right from season community. one the, the, the last the very last the last two i'm trying to think if no i think it's just the last one it's just the last episode of season one and uh it's it's really really good all right anything else you want to say about supernatural no, well, just the, the last thing, because we've mentioned now Terminator a couple of times that we will continue to mention Terminator this episode, is that, you know, Dean is so John Connor, you know, he's just like, he's very resourceful, uh, bare minimum, don't, you know, take anything except for what, you know, you can throw on your back right. type of existence. It's so funny when, you know, like he's completely baffled as to why his brother is like turning up his nose as cassette tapes. It's like, well, what's wrong with that? His brother's like, well, first of all, they're cassettes, you know. <laughs> You're right. Like no one uses these anymore. I think it'd have been even better if they were eight tracks. But uh, yeah. we might be now at a point where uh, there's a pretty large segment of the population has absolutely zero clue of what an eight track tape right. is. Right. Right. So, all right. For the now for the last segment, uh, you know, we want to look at our top ten list. And this week, uh, Wayne, how did you word it? Uh, top 10 shows that have been cut down in their pro- science. I'm sorry, science fiction shows that have been cut down in their prime. There's a lot of good shows that I mentioned in like the first episode, but they're not science fiction. So we, uh, we're not dealing with them because then the, the list would become too cumbersome. We just wanted to focus in on, so sci-fi, super, sci-fi fantasy shows. I okay. Say. So, you know, one of the things we, we, uh, and we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about the criteria, but. Uh, hardly any, you know, right, hardly any. But uh, you know, when when we were exchanging uh, possible shows to put on this list, you know, one of the ones that that came up was Star Trek, and 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 I think now it did have three seasons. I mean, you could certainly make the argument it was cut down in its prime. But I guess what we ended up uh, more or less settling on was shows that, you know, really had a lot of promise that were cut down after one season, half a season, you know, maybe two short seasons, something like that. So that, that's where we're coming from with this list. So uh, we're going to do what we, we did uh, two episodes ago, which is, uh, you know, we, we already got six through ten uh, nailed down, and then we'll kind of argue it out over one to five. So at number ten, and this is really a little-known show, uh, that, and it appeared on BBC, and it was called Paradox. And it only lasted five episodes. And I was looking at the, the numbers uh, and, and, you know, they were doing, you know, like around four million, three and a half, four and a half million per episode. And, you know, again, what you've got to do is put it in perspective. So I thought, all right, well, I'll go and look at what Doctor Who does. And, you know, Doctor Who is doing, you know, maybe seven, six and a half, seven, you know, well, you know, certainly more, but it's Doctor Who. So I guess I thought those numbers looked okay, but anyway. So the premise is that uh, this astrophysicist is receiving transmissions that are visual, and what they are is pictures 
that show catastrophic events that happen in the future. So then these detectives investigate the images and basically try to prevent. And, you know, one that, that I recall, it was this massive train wreck. Um, you know, so they start to put, uh, put it together. But, you know, it, it centered around the core of detectives. And it was pretty cool. Okay. So that's at 10. At 9, Wayne, you want to take Journeyman? Nine is uh, Journeyman, and uh, Kevin McKidd has is he is he a victim of multiple? No, it's Jason O'Mara that is. Uh, Kevin McKidd, a uh, fantastic actor. Uh, actually, he was in Rome, which was uh, cut short as well, but not sci-fi, so it doesn't count. Uh, very a lot of people compare it to Quantum Leap uh, because he is you know f- uh, traveling back in time to help out people in the past and everything. And it's just random. Yeah, right. It's random. He's uh, very little control over it. Uh, he's had, was it his ex-wife? This is his ex-wife, right, that right. Is, he discovers also a time traveler, um, who I thought, she was the one I thought, like, people should be, will be watching this because of the hot chick in it. And it should get the numbers up enough, maybe, for season two. Uh, because, like, like we've said before, sometimes these shows really just need... They need time to develop. You're not, and, and nowadays, the reality of, of television in the U.S. nowadays is you need to get big numbers right away. Yeah. You know, and if you don't, especially NBC, they're going to cut you down to the knees. And I think Journeyman was NBC, right, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Um, you know, and you know, it's not like we don't know, don't understand, and, and we're being kind of ingenuous here uh, with our vision of, of what it should be like. We understand that if a show is not making money, you know, it's it's not. Right. What's the point of producing a show that's not making any money? But um, you know, just sometimes with these shows, you feel that if they just kind of stuck with it a little bit longer and, and give it more of a chance, where it's developing more artistically, but. But you, know. but you have to understand, going in, if I'm producing this kind of show, you know, this is kind of the result. I mean, this is not How I Met Your Mother, right? right? I mean, this is a show that actually is going to force the viewer to think and to uh, accept that I'm not going to get all the answers at the end of the hour. Sure. But on the other hand, then, you know, as a TV executive, why would I bother with this high production that's going to make people think what people don't like doing anyway, which I guess is kind of the point of why all these shows fail, when I can just have some crap reality show with people I don't have to pay anything for because they're not even real actors. They're just people I pull off the street, stick in front of a camera, make fools of themselves for a season, and then there you go. It's a hit, right? Because people love it. It's just it's, it's maddening. Yep. But Journeyman was was a great show, and yeah. it was sad to see it go. Yep, and and it got, I believe, a full season before uh, they. Pulled. Yeah, it was close. You know, probably I think uh, seventeen, eighteen episodes. Okay. So, All right. uh, at number eight, um, what did we decide on eight? I can't remember. Did we? I think let's we put uh, Reaper in there. Okay, all right. Now you know I don't know that show, so I'll let you deal with yeah, Reaper. Yeah, really quickly because uh, I just talked a lot more than I intended. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Reaper is basically uh, this guy Sam, normal. Even subnormal uh, kid uh, works at a, basically a Home Depot. Uh, really doesn't have much in the way of a future, though he does have a very hot girlfriend. Um, his friend is is uh, you know the the chubby guy who's hilarious, and uh, he finds out that his uh, dad's not his real dad. That he is in fact the spawn of Satan, and that yeah, and that uh, so what his dad the devil does and the, the devil the, the guy he was um 
You, have you ever watched 24? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he was the... Um, in season three, I think, he took out... He was like the vice uh, president, but not the bad vice president. Not, oh, okay. The, he was this kind of guy of integrity who takes over um, in season three or four, I think, he became president briefly. Um, and he's been in tons of other stuff. Ray something, I can't remember his last name, but a really good actor. Devil is fantastic, really, like, slick, always has, like, a hot girl with him, uh, like now a What Ferrari. network was this? It was on WB, I think. Okay. Um, and so, basically, he gives Sam uh, the chore now of hunting down, becoming a reaper. He has to go out and um, hunt down souls that have escaped from hell. And then he, every week, gives him something, some unusual object that he has to put him in. Like, it could be a toilet plunger <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, it's, you, you got to watch it. It's on, it's on uh, Netflix, I How many seasons did it get? It went... One and a half, I okay. think. I don't think it got a full second season. Uh, I think they cut it off after like maybe like thirteen episodes, season two. And it was always it was dancing the line. You know, it was a big deal when it got the second season because it was really its numbers were kind of on the line there. But it was just uh, it was a really clever show. The actors were fantastic. It was very very funny, and it, it was you know, it was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, the like because this kid is is kind of like he's not this skilled warrior guy you know he's he's just a, a goofball and his friends a goofball and uh, they're just trying to you know figure out this whole thing okay well most certainly not funny uh, in number seven uh, was flash forward and nope, it, not you know, funny at all coming on the heels of the success you know generated by lost you know abc brought this out in fact uh you know, Dominic Monaghan, who played Charlie in, in Lost, was one of the principal characters in Flash Forward. And, you know, if you didn't see it, the premise was that everyone on the planet, well, just about everyone, just about, not everyone. Uh, everybody on the planet loses consciousness for a little over two minutes. And while they're in this unconscious state, they see six months into the future. Then they regain consciousness and everybody in, on the Earth you know, has this vision of what's going to happen to them. Um, you know, it got a full season. And the problem, I mean, there were several problems. And again, you, you I mean, we've talked about Doctor Who, where, where very often they separate the seasons, in, you know, into two parts. But, you know, that's a different animal. I mean, Doctor Who's got such, you know, a history to it that you take these new shows and you run 10, 11 episodes and then big hiatus. And then they're off for four months, yeah. and you're surprised that you lose viewers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a, a terrible idea. And uh, I think Life on Mars, which is later on the list, was also a victim of, of that similar type. It's just it's, – it's ridiculous. Doctor Who can get away with it because people – like right now I'm dying. I am counting – I don't even – they haven't announced it yet, but I'm just dying for the next episode of Doctor Who. You know, like that's that's what – like, you know, because it has those hardcore fans. Right. Uh, Flash Forward never got a chance to get hardcore fans, right? Yeah, you know, because it has like ten episodes. And then, well, it'll be back in April. Thank you. Right. So, all right. Anyway, you mentioned number six, Life on Mars. Yeah, and this is the U.S. version, not the British. The British version actually, the they ended that show on their own terms. Uh, the American show got, I believe, eighteen episodes. So it was pretty much a, a full season. Um, and it was a really good show. I mentioned in our first episode, actually, a couple uh, facts wrong about it, but it's basically uh, this guy, Sam Tyler, who is a cop in 2006, I think it is. Um, 
is suddenly finds himself jettisoned back to, I believe, 1973. So it's like 25 years or something like that into the past. He goes, and uh, and there's a really dramatic scene that where uh, the song "Life on Mars" is playing, which is a great song as well, by the way, David Bowie. And he he wakes up and he gets up and he's stunned. He's like, "Where am I?" And he stands up and he looks and he, <clears throat> he sees the twin towers. You know, and it's just like, and this is obviously post nine eleven nine eleven, and it's just a stunning scene where you're just like. Wow, you know, like it really drives it home. And uh, Jason O'Mara was uh, really good, and, and actually the, the victim of another recent uh, show, <clears throat> Terra Nova, being uh, cut down in its prime as well. That we I forgot about Terra Nova. No, I've got it, was, it on my list. You got it on the list, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, just go, getting around uh, police procedural because he's a cop. Still, he shows up, and they're expecting him at the police station he works at. Uh, Harvey Keitel is the um, Gene Hunt, who's the head of the uh, the the police department there, not the chief of police, but of the in the homicide division where uh, Sam Tyler works, and the dynamic between these, those two is is fantastic and everything. And Harvey Keitel, obviously, you know, is an amazing actor. And just thinking like how much, I mean, part of the reason maybe the show failed is because Keitel maybe was bringing in it cost too much to pay him. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, just a really, really good show. And there were so many possibilities with it and, but we don't get to know them because they, uh, cancel it. So, all right. So on one to five, why don't we, uh, let's make sure we've got, uh, our five. So I think we know in, in the final five, it's like Battlestar Galactica, the final, the final five. Uh, Wait, you could put Battlestar Galactica in there? No, 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 no. But don't you remember the, uh, when they the, the final five, who the oh, Cylons oh, oh, were, yeah, right? Yeah, the, yeah, all okay, right. All right. I'm like, yeah, you can't put <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> all right, so we've got Dollhouse, right? Yes, definitely. Firefly? Yes. Caprica? Yes. Sarah Connor? Yes. Okay, what's our fifth one? The, 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 the fifth one is the one we're stuck on. Okay, we so... We probably should talk more about before well, we, we start recording. Right, <laughs> now see, I'm... Uh, you know, I'm a little partial to Alcatraz. I felt like Alcatraz had a lot of potential. Uh, Terra Nova, you know, could could certainly be on the list. Um, you know, some of the ones that we had in six to ten. You know, I don't know that I want to bump them because they're all you know so unique in, in right. their own ways. But uh, what other ones did you have on there? That well, I I would. I'm trying to think if I had a choice between Terra Nova and Alcatraz, which one. <laughs> what I go with, um, you know, the, the thing about Terra Nova is it really, I think, was just starting to hit its kind of get its its gears underneath its legs underneath it, so to speak, uh, when it got canceled. Um, and I guess Alcatraz was to the same way. You know, I, 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 let's play Alcatraz in there okay. for one of the top five. So now it's just a matter of what goes where. Okay. All right. So. Well, I think we know what number five is. Alcatraz. Do? Oh, oh, yeah, right, right. Alcatraz. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, clearly, clearly, all right, Alcatraz. So, five, right? uh, yeah, if, if we're deciding whether it can actually be on the list or not. Right, sure. and and I mean, you know, again, um, and, and we've talked about this before, you know, especially with the Canadian sci-fi, and you know, but so many of these actors, you know, they they you know they show up in various shows. So you know, you've got uh, 
uh, Hurley from Lost yeah, Hurley, um, yeah. as one of the central characters here. And, and you know, basically, and, and I don't want to say completely unknown, but I hadn't seen her in anything else that was, you know, playing the, uh, the female detective lead. And then Sam Neill yeah, was, was Sam kind Neal, of their yeah. boss. But, you know, the whole premise about, uh, you know, the, I mean, the intro says it all. And I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase that, uh, you know, in 1963, I think it was, the, the prison at Alcatraz closed down and the prisoners and the guards were transferred to facilities on the mainland. Except that's not that's really not what, happened. what happened. Right. <laughs> uh, and then we find out that basically they all just disappeared in the middle of the night. And then in 2011, they start reappearing at ver- various points in the country, and uh, they haven't aged. And, you know, so there were a lot of these, you know... And there's some kind of sketchy reason. Like, we know, like, they're, they're being... Someone is sending these guys out to, like, commit crimes and kill people, which is still a crime. Right. I didn't mean to separate that from committing crime. Uh, you know, commit murders and robberies and stuff like that. And there be, you know, there's obviously someone who is behind it, but we don't know. We suspect we know, and yeah, that's a lot of promise. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, show. you got sci-fi elements, you've got supernatural elements, you've got the police procedural as as a backdrop. Uh, you've got uh, certainly a female lead that would have fit nicely into our top ten list. She, she could have been um, right there. Yeah. So, uh, all right, now uh, number four, and and now it gets tough. Um, well, I. What do you think? I think Dollhouse I would put in at number four, actually, for a couple of reasons. One, um, and we're not basing on, this, on any kind of artistic merit because Dollhouse was an awesome, awesome show. But it did get a second season. You okay. know, it, 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 if, if in Britain, it'd be a full second season, right? Because it was like, like 12, 13 episodes right, at second right. season. Um, so, and Joss Whedon was given adequate notice of the termination of the show that he was actually able to to tie off all the loose ends as, as best he could. I know he wanted more episodes to kind of bring it to a conclusion. Actually, I think he wanted a whole other season, right? Didn't mm. two, two full yeah. or two 13 episodes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so, I figured I was going to have to fight you over this one, although I didn't know if I was going to, I was going to fight you for four, but that, that's reasonable logic. So, we'll, so I'll, I'll go with you on that. <laughs> all right. Um, I mean, dollhouse is, is, you know, certainly, in my top five favorites, I mean, you know, I think off the top of my head, Lost, um, Battlestar Galactica, X-Files are right there. But but there's just something about Dollhouse and the possibilities that it had with the misuse of technology and then, uh, you know, the, the great characters. So. Yeah, and, and there's a classic example of a show that really took probably like five, six episodes to really find its voice, to really hit its stride. You know, like the first couple are just like, um, there's no monsters, but like the, your monster of the week type episodes, and uh, right the engagement of the week. Right, right, you know? right, exactly the engagement of right. the week, um, the hookup of the week, I right. guess you could say. And then once they start bringing in like the larger issues and the overall mythology, then it really you know kicked into high gear. And the second season is just just oh. artistic bliss. I mean, it's just yeah. great from from start to finish. Right. And, and, and if actually the, starting even before with the uh, the 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 one point two episode, the right. uh, epitaph epitaph one. Right, right. right. Well, and of course, if the network had had its way, it would have been canceled after one season. But uh, right. the DVD sales were through the roof, <laughs> and the fan, you know. So, all right. Um, so we've got Dollhouse at four. It's getting tough. 
Yeah, well, I think we're. I think number three is the one we're probably going to fight about the most because it's probably one I want and number two. Well, I think I, I know what number one's going to yeah, be. I, okay. Yeah, I think we both right. we'll probably both agree on number okay. one. So right, two and three, I guess really we can assign we can give them ties. It's like in, well, I got in, a tie. our, in, our, in our society nowadays, everyone's equal, everyone's good, everyone's a winner. So. We'll give him a tie. Well, for, for I'm okay. I think you. I think you maybe are mis, going to misread me here. I, I'm okay with giving Caprica the third slot. Okay. Oh, well, then we're not going to argue about that. Okay. Right. And and that as much as I like Caprica, and, and you know, it was a spinoff from. Well, not really a spinoff. It was more like a prequel to Battlestar Galactica, where we get to see the the genesis of the Cylons and and uh, you know some of the you know the the events and issues that led to. You know, the whole, the, you know, we've seen this in sci-fi many times where the created rebels against its creator. Um, but, you know, as great as it was at number two, I, I think we're pretty uh, sure we're going with Sarah Connor yeah, Chronicles. Yeah, Sarah Connor Chronicles. And while, you know, it's only two seasons, the first season was cut short because of the writer's strike, if I recall correctly. Nine episodes, or recall reading, was only nine episodes. Right. And I believe it was during the the writer's strike. Um, and I haven't watched season two yet only because um, it's almost like I had a professor in college one time that was talking about novels that he was holding, uh, withholding from reading until he was, you know, in his, you know, late life and he was saving them. And I'm almost I'm not going to save it that long, but <laughs> I'm almost saving it because the first nine episodes were just so good. I mean. Yeah. Just so much better than the the Terminator films. Oh well, barring like the first one. I mean, the, the first Terminator film. I think though, obviously, it didn't have the special effects. Like the second film had great special effects. Still, I, I like the second. I actually, I'll admit, I like all the Terminator films. But the TV show, I would take over pretty much all of them except for maybe the the first one. And yeah. the TV show picks up after the second one, right. so it accepts. One and two, all the events that happen there, as that's, and then then it follows this kind of alternate path, going completely different ways than the third and fourth Terminator movies, which I think everyone agrees as being like artistically kind of inferior. Sorry, Christian Bale, you're you're a great actor, but uh, you know the, uh, you know just the the TV shows really wins out over that. But as I was telling you before we started recording that. Uh, if you like those first nine episodes, the next season two is going to freaking blow you away, man. Like it's, and it ends. The ending is just incredible. And the, where they could have gone with this show, I mean, the ending works as a series ender, really, because but it's not an ending. It's it's you know where there's all these other possibilities of where they could go. So maybe. Possibly sometime in the future, someone will make another, the next Terminator movie, and they'll base it on, you know, what happens after the Sarah Connor Chronicles after that last, because that would make a great. That's the story I want to see. Well, and we're used to this anyway, right? I mean, shows being cut down in their prime, and that that you know, very often, you know, a season-ending show, you know, they end with a cliffhanger. Right. And very often the, that's the series ender. And you're like, right. whoa, wait. You know. And we're left to our imaginations. But then again, I mean, that's the, you know, those are the kind of people that are drawn to these shows in the first place. Right. So at number one, number one Joss Whedon's Firefly. We've said it more than enough times. If, if anyone's listened to previous episodes, you are totally not surprised by our number one pick. 
But, uh, you know, with, and again, you know, I, I actually, the more I think about it, the more I have to give Fox some credit as to at least giving these shows a chance. Right. I mean, to green light, okay, um, it's going to be a Western that takes place in outer space, and it's this, uh, you know, this crew with this, right? I mean, when you start actually saying out loud what it's about. Yeah. I remember when I first heard about it, my brother-in-law had told me about it, and he explained it just as you did, and I was like, that that doesn't sound really good at all. That, that, I, that and he then he finally put it in my hands. He gave me, you know, the the DVD of the series. And like, said, just watch this. And I probably sat on it for months just because I was like, uh, you know, that it just western. I mean, I like westerns kind of. You know, I like space. You know, but the two together, like, I don't even know who that guy is. He looks like. And then you know, I, and I saw he was Captain Hammer, or whatever from the uh, Doctor Horribles. Oh. That Nathan Fillion played right, the right. the superhero guy in there and everything, um, so you didn't know anyone in it, and uh, was yet unfamiliar with Summer Glau, so you know that wasn't there yet. So I didn't watch it, and then once I watched, it, I was like, "Whoa!" And then you go back and read and realize, well, not only did you know Fox basically killed Firefly before they even had a chance because they didn't show the pilot first; right. they showed Episode Two first, and so people are watching this. You don't, and we talked about this before. What does a pilot do? It introduces you to these characters. It gets you to love these characters. It draws you in. It makes you want to continue watching episode two and three and four and so on and so forth because you are attracted to these characters. You care about these characters. That's what a pilot does. Well, if you start a show, but you don't show the pilot at first, WTF, Fox, what were you thinking? You know, like you, there, was, there was no chance afterwards. I think it got like, what, eight? Nine episodes? No, I think 14, right? But yeah, but they didn't show them all on oh, television. Oh, right, you're right. That's they, right. They only showed like the first eight only actually got shown on television. And then the rest they released on DVD. And then the DVD shot through the roof. And, you know, someone got fired for that one. Right. You know, so they, like, uh, we, we canceled your show, but how about if you do a two hour uh, feature a film? Movie, maybe? <laughs> can, we, can we do a feature film of that that's uh, much more expensive to make than the television show? Yeah. Well, so. All right. Well, anyway, so that's our list of uh, the top 10. Shows that were cut down in their prime, and you know, unfortunately, um, you know, in another year or two, we probably could come back to you <laughs> yeah, with we'll another, have to do top another, 10. another list. So, all right, anything else? No, that's about it. All right, um, we'll listen forever. How long have we been talking? Yeah, I know. Um, with the thunder outside, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've had some massive storms here. I'm just glad the power didn't go out. Uh, you know, if you want to contact us, the email is fatalists, and that's F A E T A L I S T S, fatalistspodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And, you know, other than that, we will see you next week as we take a peek at season one, episode four of Lost Girl, and then we'll report back on the sci fi tinged episode of Community. Yes, the last episode of season one. You're going to like it. it you, you're going to be, everyone who watches it, this is actually my play to, to help Community because Community is, is in uh, very tenuous circumstances. They were, they, I think, season four, it was Greenlight for 13 episodes. So if you watch this and you like it, uh, go and start downloading Community on iTunes or, or watch it on NBC.com. Let NBC know that it's a great show. And uh, let's, let's uh, save it for even more future generations to enjoy. All right, so we'll see you guys next week. Later.